Hello, everyone. This is Riddell here from Behold the Connection. Thank you for tuning in. Today is going to be an awesome episode that will help anyone who's struggling with anything because it's going to be a reminder that our thoughts drive our feelings. And so at the end of the day, we are always in charge of and can monitor and change how we want to feel. So that doesn't come easy. And this was not taught to most of us growing up. And so we become a victim to our thoughts. We think that our thoughts are just reality and that there's no other way but to suffer. And that just simply isn't true, as you'll see as this episode goes on. While those thoughts can become really stuck in our minds and it can be very hard to loosen them up and and give ourselves alternate thoughts, it is possible. And at the end of some effort is so much peace and so much more letting go, so much more surrender, just such a good vibe. Like, I wish I could give you the feeling, even as I'm saying it, I have that feeling in my body and I wish I could just put it in yours. But in time with some work, you can have it too. Little commercial break. Today is the last day. I hope you're listening to this today for the Black Friday sale of my course. I've reduced it down to launch pricing. You don't need a coupon code. You simply go right now to beholdtheconnection.podia.com. P-O-D-I-A. The easier way to do this is just quickly swipe up um, in the podcast app and in the show notes under this episode is a link. So this pricing hasn't occurred since it launched in February. Get it now. There's a payment plan. Super easy. And um, I also wanted to say that if you're listening to this later and have missed the sale, you can always simply use the coupon code podcast and that will get you a discount to thank you for being a listener here. So let's jump in fully to this. So I'm sure that many of you can relate to this. Like you'll be going along in life and it's going pretty normal and you'll get some great news. You got um, something from your small business sold or you got a text that made you happy. You won an award. You, someone got a raise. Your child succeeded at something. You have a vacation to look forward to, right? And you feel that spike in, in joy. And then you go back to the baseline after a while, right? It kind of wears off. You've told a few people about it. You've rode rode that good feeling as long as you can if you're smart. And then you go back to baseline. So interestingly, then something negative or disappointing will happen and you'll dip down. So picture almost like a, a heart monitor in the hospital, you know, it up straight down. So when something negative happens, that could be just bad news, a big bill, your kids getting sent home from school when you really need them in school in the middle of a pandemic, things like that, right? So just something disappointing that you weren't prepared for. And then down we go. What's interesting is that research shows that the down, the down spike is way deeper than the up spike is up. So that's because our brains, I've talked about this on so many episodes, but focus on the negative so much more. It is a survival mechanism. It's looking for danger. It's looking for what could go wrong. Oh no, it is going wrong. You see, I have proof right here. My propane bill was double this month. Ah, exactly what I feared is happening. And you go deeper, that spike goes deeper and deeper. Our brains are wired this way. And so it can be, it makes sense, doesn't it? Why people really struggle 
to feel positive, why we really struggle with depressive thoughts or anxious thoughts. It kind of sucks, to be honest, that our minds love drama and negativity. Dang it, but it is what it is. I just think it's helpful to realize and recognize that if you're a human being in this world navigating life, feeling this way, you're pretty normal. Sounds like you have a normal brain and things are going along as they should. But let's say we want to change how we're thinking about a circumstance. Okay, so right now where I live in the world, grades 7 to 12 are being sent home in the middle of COVID pandemic to do online school. And as I scroll Facebook, I see that some people think this is a great decision and that all school grades should be shut down. And then I can see others who think this is irresponsible and a disgusting choice. So what we can learn from that is that circumstances are neutral. I teach this in my parenting course. We can clearly see this here. The circumstance is that in Alberta right now, from grades 7 to 12, they are being done online. That circumstance is a fact. If your child goes to school on Monday, there will be no one there to teach them. The doors will be locked, okay? That's a fact that all Albertans can agree on that is happening now. Not agreeing that we like it or don't like it, but just that that is a circumstance. So now the feelings each person is feeling from that happening is based on the person or people's thoughts. So this proves that circumstances don't drive feelings, our thoughts do. So it, it, circumstances cannot drive feelings or everyone would be feeling the same way about this. And people are not, right? So our thoughts drive our feelings and that's fine. We can feel whatever we want to think and feel about anything. For example, if my child breaks his leg, I'd want to be sad about that. I'd want to think sad thoughts. I'm bummed for my child. My child wanted to go play hockey. What a bummer. But let's just say, what if I'm a divorced person and my child was struggling in this sport and being bullied and hated it? And there was so much pressure from my ex-partner for this child to play. And really, it was worked into the divorce order that the child will play this sport because it's important to my partner. So basically... My child is being forced to play this and I can see that my child is suffering under this pressure mentally, physically, and I really feel helpless, let's just say, okay? That same broken leg that ended playing the sport for a while could bring about relief, you see? So what about when we don't want to feel miserable about a circumstance that we are feeling miserable currently about, right? We're feeling stuck in it. All we can see is the negatives. Then what? Groups of people were told about a medical procedure. And the first group was told that, hey, it has a 70% success rate. And the second group was, it was worded this way, hey, this has a 30% failure rate. What was so interesting is that the people that were told it has a 70% success rate loved it. They were excited. They were pumped. This is going to be great, right? And the other group were, we're bummed. This is negative. 30%. Oh boy. Right. It was the same rates. It's just what they wanted to focus on. So now here's what's get, where it gets interesting. They, the researchers twisted this. So they went to the, the 70% group, the success rate. Yeah, this is going to be awesome. And they said, Hey, like you realize it has a 30% failure. They worded it differently. They really hammered on that point. And um, they didn't like that, right? 
Now, when they went to the group that had initially been told, like, it's a 30% failure rate, and they were bummed about that, they were told, listen, that's 70% positive. This is great. You know, what else are your options? Da, da, da. That group continued to reject it. They, instead of jumping to the land of positivity, they stayed stuck as seeing it as a negative. They reported that it still felt negative to them. There are numerous studies like this, which really leads us to learn that once we think of something as a loss or a negative thing or a disappointment, it has a lot of sticking power in our brains. We really have a hard time switching from something we see as negative or taxing or hard or overwhelming to something doable. We really want to cling to the negativity. Even if we have the desire to change it to a more positive view, our attempts to see it differently are often very overridden by our brain, dang brain, because our brains favor the negative mindset, the negativity. So we have to work really hard to change our thoughts to ones that serve us. Really, honestly, it's easier to go and validate our pain, isn't it? It's easier to go out into the world or on the online world and find people thinking the same as us and you know, swim in the pool of misery altogether. And so we, we tend to do that. We tend to do that. It's the easier path. Do you notice that? We feel miserable and contentious as we scroll Facebook and we read the comments that are in contention right now, but we still do it. We go seek out this pain. We feel like venting and looking for more evidence of how awful things are. We feel like this will help us feel better. The relief, there is a bit of a dopamine hit here. The relief is temporary, though. And all it does is reinforce the negative story. That loop in your brain gets, instead of a thread, it becomes, you know, a braided rope. And then eventually it becomes a, well, I don't know what's stronger than a braided rope. I'm sure many things, you know, like one of those metal wiry loop things or, I don't know, aren't zip ties very strong? You get it. So why do we go seek out this pain? We're gathering evidence that we'll be safe if we're the same as what others are thinking. We're like, where's the people thinking like me? Okay, good, because then I'm going to be safe. We as a species have survived by being in groups, and so we want to find others that think like us. But it can cause us pain. It can cause us to ruminate. We stay stuck. So there needs to be an awareness here. Like, is this serving me? Scrolling Facebook, looking for people that think the same as me? There is such effort required in seeing the upside in life, absolutely, but we can train our brains how to better do this. It's interesting, gratitude gets pooped on a lot, especially right now, it, it's sort of getting lumped in with like, that's toxic positivity. But the truth is, it absolutely is an exercise to train our brain to look for the good. When my son was in grade four, my one of my sons, they got into this habit where I'd pick them up from school and they'd get in the vehicle and it was like a, an auctioneer <laughs> listing all the items that went wrong that day. Well, first this person did this, then that person did that. Truly it was, and it kind of had come out of nowhere. And so I definitely held space for it. I listened, I listened, I empathized. I allowed the feelings. That sounds tough. Ooh, you must've been disappointed. That hurts you. Things like that. And after a few minutes, I said, I want to hear some good too. It sounds like you had a rough day. I wonder if out of that mountain of hard things, we could take a little hammer and chisel and find one little nugget. You know, let's just give our brain evidence that there was some good in the day. What do you think? 
And you know what? Before long, the good was flowing too. And I kept that up for a couple months. I'd let, I'd let the dump happen and I would acknowledge it. I want to be clear here that I wasn't like, and now let's just think positive. Absolutely not. Lots of space for the feelings. And then a while later on the drive, tell me something good. I'll tell you something good about my day. Teaching the brain. And you know what? In time, that routine stopped. I, it wasn't so much a negative dump. It was sometimes a couple things that went wrong in the day. Absolutely. But not this auctioneer list where the brain had looked for everything negative. There was a shift that happened. I'm now starting to wonder if everyone knows what an auctioneer sounds like. <laughs> it's such a part of my childhood going to farm auctions and cattle auctions and estate auctions that I just know what an auctioneer sounds like. Here we're selling it for five cents. I can't believe it just did that. Anyways, so just rattling things off really fast. Okay, if you've never been to an auction. So the truth is, as we know now, our brains are far less practiced at looking for the good. Our brains are wired to look for danger. Our brains do this naturally, okay? It's it's such a, what is the word I'm looking for? Um, it's not the right word, but it's such an ancient, I mean, well-established part of our brain to look for danger, okay? So if we want to feel better or differently, we absolutely have to look for it and we absolutely have to choose thoughts that serve us. They're not going to just jump into your mind. And the thoughts, the good thoughts, they're honestly not going to have a lot of sticking power at first. They're going to sort of bounce off you. And sometimes you have to scaffold your way there. Sometimes you want to think that one glorious, awesome thought, but it's just your brain will reject it. It's too, it's too far out of reach. So you got to scaffold your way there. We have 70,000 thoughts on a daily basis, my friends, and 80% are negative. We give plenty of time to negative chatter, okay? Our brain's like, it's a lot of thoughts. Do the math on that. Our brain keeps it real, real for us. What we're not good at is the positive thoughts. That's the truth. One way that I like to do this is I like to ask my brain, so what is the good in this situation? So I chose to homeschool my kids this year, which was just a personal choice, because again, a personal choice, I really felt a lot of uncomfortable feelings about them spending their days masked at school. And because I work for myself, I could swing this, okay? So at first, it was so hard. <laughs> my brain wanted to show me all the hard. It wanted to really discourage me. It wanted to be so dramatic about every little thing that went wrong, like, oh, I knew this would happen, you know? You, are, you can't do this. They're the worst, whatever. So I would go to my room. I'd take a minute. I'd feel the struggle. I would allow it all. And I would say something like, oh, Riddell, <laughs> you want to do this, and yet it is so challenging. It's harder than you thought. For kids, they have so many needs. You're feeling like it's impossible, and it feels impossible. And then I would breathe and slow it all down and find it in my body. Oh, I'm clenching my jaw. My shoulders are up. My brain is, feels like it's hurting. And I breathe and I'd validate myself. Okay. And when I felt calm and heard, then I would think of the next right thing, just the one thing, and I would go do that. Later, once I was sure that I'd purged the emotion and gone into my body and found it, 
I would take a look later at my thoughts. I would ask my very capable and creative brain, which we all have, okay, how can I look at this situation differently? Can I use some cognitive restructuring here? Uh, or as I said, my go-to is, what's the good in this? And here is the good. My kids are getting a customized education to their learning styles. I can offer that because it's a small setup what I have. That's so cool. My kids are essentially getting tutored. It's one on four. Talk about a small classroom size. My kids' relationships were strengthening before my very eyes, even in the rough moments. I could see skills of conflict resolution being, being built. My kids were learning life skills more from being at home more during the day and seeing how a household runs, pitching in more. These skills will serve them so well. My, skills were, my kids were learning new ways to maintain their friendships of the kids at school. They were becoming very good problem solvers and pivoters in life. I was seeing flexibility and resiliency develop. We had so many conversations about their nerves of being forgotten by their friends. Emotional growth happened. The kids were really growing emotionally because instead of spending a day with peers, also emotionally immature, they were spending their day with me, modeling emotional maturity, certainly as much as possible. <laughs> I can see the growth in them already. And so I now, after practicing this type of choosing my thoughts for a couple few months now, I have a totally different mindset towards my choice to homeschool. It felt like drowning. It felt like a mistake. And now it feels like a gift. It feels like bonus time with my kids. And the good days far outweigh the tough ones. My brain is primed to look for the wins and the successes. But you guys, I battled my way here. So to my Albertan friends, your older kids are at home right now starting Monday. If they're not working hard at their schoolwork and it's driving you crazy, what will they learn from that? What life lesson will they gain that will serve them later? Say they fail a class, what will failing now teach them about university later when they have to be an independent learner? Why is it so bad if they have to make up a class or redo it? Do not let your brain make this life or death. Slow it all down. Help them as you can organize them as you can, get creative on writing out a schedule or putting alarms in a phone for them, let them explain to their teacher on their own if they're not getting assignments done, be the horizon, I said that wrong, be the horizon, that's the tone I want, be the horizon. In my parenting course, I have a whole module on what this looks like called being the leader. The course is worth it for that module alone, go get it right now. Go, go look in the show notes or beholdaconnection.podia.com. Go help yourself through this time. Ask your kids how you can support them, but let them learn these lessons. Help your kids realize that they can use overwhelm to their advantage. They're going to feel overwhelmed at first. Overwhelm creates a stress response. A stress response is energy for action. So take that energy and be mindful, help them break it down into small steps. Use that energy for action, okay? Remind them that their brain is not gonna want to do this. Take this time to teach them. What you teach them right now is gonna serve them for their whole life. Teach them about permission giving thoughts, which are excuses, <laughs> which sound a lot like, I'll do it later, I'll start tomorrow. Teach your kids how to push back against those thoughts. They're always going to be there. 
The brain wants you to just chill, you know. You can reject those thoughts. Think in advance with your kids on what thought they can think when a permission-giving thought comes up. So even though I don't want to do this, I still will. Or I can totally not want to do this, and I'm going to go do it anyways. Let them learn how to be in the, in the muck, in the yuck, in the suffering, and still do it. Gosh, that's a valuable lesson, is to show your brain how this experience will grow your children rather than catastrophize. I can't say that word. I've never been able to. Every time I go to say it, I ask Adam, tell me how to say that word. Rather, th- So I'm going to say drama. Look for how this will grow your kids. Don't let it become a big drama. Show your brain how this online experience can prepare them for a future where, honestly, many of the jobs are largely going to be online. What you focus on in this time with your thinking will grow. Where your energy flows, your brain grows. You can absolutely acknowledge the tough, especially with your child. Empathize. Talk about the yuck. There's power in that. And you can look for the good and problem solve. We get so either or in our thinking. We don't think the yuck can exist with the good and the growth. But I argue that the yuck is what grows us. So powerful that our kids are learning that alongside us this year. Our minds love to hold on to negative information. And that's okay. It's our mind doing what its natural, you know, instinctive response is. And like I said in the beginning, it takes time to loosen the grip on thoughts that we've clung to, on the automatic negative thoughts our brain offers us a million times a day, not million. It's going to feel annoying at first to try to choose new thoughts. They're not going to stick well. It's going to feel a bit like a job. However, I promise you that what you practice grows stronger. The first three modules in my course are all about this thought work, what that looks like, how to actually do that, feeling your feelings. In fact, you should get the course, do the first four modules, and then teach it to your kids. I am going to put out a course for kids, but I need a bit of time. In the meantime, start teaching your kids this. Empower them on how they can think their way through this transition and manage your mind. Allow them their emotions and reality. Teach them, but don't try to micromanage their disappointment. They can feel how they want to feel. They have a right to that. Manage your thoughts and emotions around this. We've got this, friends. Thanks for listening.